welcome to another episode of Exposit the Truth, where it's all about the clear understanding of the living Word of God and how to apply it to everyday life. Today's lesson is going to be on the discipline of God, the discipline that comes from God. And the takeaway is this, that the discipline is mentioned all throughout scriptures and is mentioned more than 80 times in the Bible. In today's society, however, we live in a time in which most people lack discipline and responsibility. We see it everywhere. Furthermore, not only do they lack the discipline and responsibility, they don't care to learn it. Um, it's a sad, very sad time. Uh, people now live in a manner full of, with a sense of entitlement and that they do not need to earn a successful lifestyle. So the key word there is earning what you have, right? Uh, with any kind of hardship, struggle, or responsibility. Uh, God's word tells us that he will discipline those whom he loves. Uh, there is meaning and reason behind everything God executes. So with that said, let's dive into the first passage of scripture, Hebrews 12, 1 through 11. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, laying aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary, fainting in heart. You have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. And here is a quote from Proverbs. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He flogs every son whom he receives. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our benefit, so that we may share His holiness. And all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. But to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And what a wonderful passage of Scripture. Um, that, you know, us being adopted children into his kingdom and family, uh, that he will discipline us to um, teach us and to discipline us for good, um, you know, permanently, right? And so uh, for the rest of our life, meaning, right, spiritually. All right, so let's look at verse 2 and 3. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary fainting in heart. So, and in verse 4 as well, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And so, uh, you know, this is directly uh, referring to when Jesus uh, was in the garden and praying that, you know, Father, please take this cup from me. Because he already knows how much suffering he will have to endure on his way to the cross. Um, and I think we have to really uh, talk about the cross in detail. It's not just the cross. I mean, you got the cat of nine tails where it rips out your skin, uh, deep cuts into your flesh, uh, spat on. And these are people that he healed, that he performed miracles for, you know, um, the Jewish people over there. And so and can you imagine the pain, the, not just the physical pain, but also the emotional pain that you, these people that you loved, that you helped, you even resurrected them back to life, right? Um, the blind, the mute, right? The, the paralyzed, um, all, all these awesome, amazing miracles, you know, you fed them and now they're spitting in your face, pulling out your beard, kicking you, um, you know, throwing things at you, right? Um, and wanting you to die a suffering death on the cross. Um, you're, you're like suffocating on the cross. You know, it's not just a simple, right? And hours of agony, bleeding out, right? Um, it's a torturous way to die. So I think we need to really grasp um, that level of hardship. And so when we think of hardship, I think we need to really grasp how much um, he endured going to the cross and the, the disciples and, um, you know, what that really means to endure. So in verse 1, uh, when we're talking about endurance, it refers to the steady determination to keep going regardless of the temptation to slow down or give up. In verse 3, uh, for it says, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. Um, it's talking about Jesus is the supreme example of willingness to suffer in obedience to God. He faced hostility and endured even the cruel cross. The same opposition is faced by all who follow him. In verse 6, when he's talking about, and he flogs every son whom he receives. Uh, it's talking about the flogging with a whip, a severe and painful form of beating that was a common Jewish practice. Um, and so it's not an, a light, um, it's not always a light type of thinking or obviously not a good feeling. Um, it's not always about good feelings in life, right? And so it's a very unpleasant feeling. Um, and that's what that's referring to. Okay. In verse 10, it's talking about, uh, for our good, um, it disciplined us for, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our benefit or for our good. Um, and it's talking about uh, imperfect human father discipline imperfectly, but God is perfect and therefore his discipline is perfect and always for the spiritual good of his children. So what a powerful passage of scripture here in Hebrews uh, 12, 1 through 11, of how we are to truly be the children of God. Uh, we don't shy away from discipline. Uh, in fact, we are grateful for it, um, and, and the reaction is to discipline of um, going through hardship or 
um, you know, accepting the consequence of my wrongful action. Um, you know, it's the Holy Spirit convicts us and we um, definitely listen. Uh, we don't, you know, try to, you know, act against him. You know, we don't act against God for disciplining us. Uh, we must go through the same sufferings. We must go through the same sufferings. So despite what many professing Christians think, we are not called to live for our feelings, our happiness, or emotions. But rather, we are called to live against all of those and live for God's kingdom and not our own. Our every thought and intent should have God at the center and the focus should be advancing his kingdom. That is not to say we should have a life with many blessings, but through our blessings we receive uh, from him, we glorify him in all that we do and all that we are. All right, so with that said, let's go to the next passage of scripture in Proverbs uh, 1 through chapter 1, 1 through 7. Uh, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and discipline. So right there on the first verse of Solomon writing this. Wisdom and discipline. Because they go together. You can't have one without the other. To understand the sayings of understanding. To receive discipline that leads to insight. Righteousness, justice, equity. To give prudence to the simple. To the youth, knowledge and discretion. Let the wise man hear and increase in learning. And the man of understanding will acquire guidance to understand a proverb and an enigma. The words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. All right, so in verse 2, uh, wisdom to the Hebrew mind, uh, wisdom refers to um, not knowledge alone by itself, but the skill of living a godly life as God intended humans to live. Yeah, I'll repeat that one more time. Wisdom to the Hebrew mind, uh, this refers to not just having knowledge by itself, but the skill of living a godly life as God intended humans to live. So it's living it out, right? It's, just, it's not just knowing, it's doing it. In verse 7, um, the fear of God or fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Ignorant fools despise wisdom and discipline. So the fear of the Lord refers to while unbelievers may make statements about life and truth, they do not have true or ultimate knowledge until they are in a redemptive relationship or reverential awe with God. So the awe of God has to be there. That's the beginning of knowledge. If you don't have the awe of God, um, meaning, you know, the fear of God, meaning you, res you respect him that much to where you know he's watching you every moment, every second of your life. You're not going to do the things that you do. You're not going to give in to your sinful thoughts and, and, and desires and just blame and make excuses, blame your whatever else, right? Someone or something else, right? Or, you know, make excuses for your sinful ways. That's not what um, the discipline is. Right, that's not the, what the fear of God uh, would do. The fear of God would stop you from doing all that. So Proverbs is one of my favorite books in the Bible, and always has been because it is so powerful. Just that one book of Proverbs alone, 
can save so much heartache, painful times in people's lives. Um, you know, when we see like three out of four couples divorcing um, left and right, you know, since the 70s that's been going on. You know, I guarantee you, like if, if everybody read the book of Proverbs and really understood it, I wonder what the numbers would be like today. Right. Completely different, perhaps. Um, having wisdom and having discipline. I highly recommend everyone to read Proverbs and become familiar with the book of Proverbs. So, and there's a lot of references about wisdom and discipline. Um, definitely one of my favorite. So much wisdom comes from this book. And yes, it has a lot of comments of discipline, even for our children. Uh, the good kind that comes with preventing them from backsliding or simply getting them to listen on the first try. The fact of the matter is everyone wants wisdom, but wisdom is not given without first having the fear of God. All right, and for the last passage of this lesson, let's go into 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, just three verses here, where it says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Now, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Then they do it to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible, meaning, you know, the, the, the prize that we receive will never perish, never go away. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. And this is talking about, he's talking about living for God and, you know, proclaiming the gospel wherever you go, you know, every single day, every breath you breathe. Um, and it's not living for the world. He's not living for the world at all. He's not talking about that. He's talking about rewards in heaven. How do we get rewards in heaven? He's by living for him, being obedient to his word. Uh, now, here's the key word of the lesson. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So <clears throat> uh, self-control, discipline in these three verses, it's, you know, very clear. Uh, scripture has it very clear right here about, you know, having discipline once again. Uh, once again, it's over 80 times the Bible tells us about discipline um, and, and needing, you know, self-control, restraining ourselves and not being enslaved to our sin in our bodies. Um, the body is a shell that we are in momentarily, uh, but we will be leaving either to be with the Lord in his kingdom by pursuing righteousness um, and obeying his every word. Or by not, and being a slave to the shell of our body uh, in sin. So here's a response. How do I react when I hear God's word convict me? All right, so we all have conviction in our lives. Uh, and most people take the broad and easy path and ignore it, avoid it, or don't want to hear it. So when I react to conviction, is it emotional or opinionated? Do I feel the power of God speaking to me to change from my sinful ways and learn from my mistakes? So we all make mistakes, okay? We all make mistakes. Jesus was the only human being on, on the planet in all of human history or ever, or ever will be 
that was perfect and never made a mistake because he is God. But for the rest of us who are born with sin and live in sin or or have to, you know, deal with sin, um, even after become, becoming born again, we have to continually fight sin. So we make mistakes. That is why here in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul is talking about uh, running the race. It's a competition, um, you know, to, to sin less, to live more holy, um, to, you know, fight with a purpose. You know, every action, every thought, and everything that you do, you must do it with a purpose. Don't do it aimlessly, he said, right? Um, and so ask yourself, how much do I hate the sin coming out of me? Or the sin coming out of others, right? So if you when you when you are pursuing holiness, um, you start to become more sensitive to sin uh, coming out of yourself and out of other people. You start to really see it and start to really hate it. Um, not hate other people or hate yourself, but hate, hating the sin that comes out. Absolutely. Um, but and, and the next question after that is, what am I going to do about it? Okay, so if you are pursuing holiness and you want to stop, stop, uh, you know, being uh, stubborn in a way that pleases your body and pleases your flesh, and you know, with sin, then what are you going to do about it? Right? Uh, repentance is a good start. Right? Turning away—that means turning away. Go the other direction. If I know God is telling me to stop going to a certain concert, stop drinking. Stop the addiction habit. Stop hanging around worldly people. Will I listen? The true believer does not accept the continuous acts of sin, but instead chooses to depart from it. For the Christian who loves the discipline that comes from God, it is absolutely unacceptable to blend in with the world that's giving into a life in which remains a slave to sin. So now you know a little bit more about the discipline of God.